Welcome to the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Blix. This is Trav. This is Amber. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast where you can gain the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the stamina of Atlas, the power of Zeus, the courage of Achilles, and the speed of Mercury just by playing our games. Shazam! <laughs> this week we are exploring the possibility of being a superhero in one of our games, and hopefully in yours. If you want to check out something really cool, you need to tune in to the TriTac Podcast. What's that you say? TriTac? What's a TriTac? TriTac is one of the oldest role-playing companies around. They make games like... Fringe Woodland, FTL 2448. Hardwired Hinterland, Beach Bunny Bimbos with Blasters. Designed for D20 and Savage Worlds, these games will kick your dice into overdrive. Whether you want to combat the denizens of the underworld, travel the galaxy, get crazy with bimbos, or travel the multiverse and do it all, TriTac has you covered. Go to TriTacGamers.com to see what it's all about. That's T-R-I-T-A-C Gamers.com. Check out our weekly podcast at tritagsystems.podbean.com or simply enter keyword TriTag in iTunes. You're going to love it. Trav is going to lead us now on our amazing journey for, to self-discovery and awakening of unseen potential. Trav, tell us about superheroes. Okay, superheroes are... Those men and women who decide to adopt an identity and go out and help people in one way or another. And their motivations are all different. Some, it is an ethical choice. I feel that I have these abilities or this ethos that I wish to make the world a better place. Some, like Batman, do so due to a grave injustice performed upon him, such as Bruce Wayne having his parents you know, mercilessly murdered in an alley. Some do so for a cause like they may be like the Black Panther in Marvel Comics where he is defending his nation of Wakanda. Superheroes are also our modern day mythology. There has probably not been a kid who hasn't played superheroes with their friends, you know, tying a sheet around their neck and pretending they're Superman. We just don't want them like lighting themselves on fire and trying to be pretend the human torch. Or jumping off second-story windows. Superheroes, they are. They are a modern-day mythology. I mean, the Superman symbol and even the Batman symbol are known worldwide. If you show that in any on any of the six continents, they'll know. I mean, they've pervaded our culture that much, and recently with the, the influx of superheroic movies, especially this year's uh, Avengers, they're on the public consciousness in a big way. So I figured with that, 
and of course myself, I'm, I'm a huge comic book geek. I figured superheroes and fringeworthy would be a good subject to tackle. Now, I looked up in my printout of all the portal books, Positive 86 Prime is Heroville. Read the blurb real quick here. On this odd alternate, many of the population have paranormal abilities based on psionics. Many of the more powerful have become heroes in the traditional comic book sense. They fight crime in these paranorms who would use their abilities to harm and steal from the majority of norms. The fringeworthy who enter this world will manifest a major psi talent while they're here. Unfortunately, they will have little control over the talent. There is also an alternate in the portal books that I... Location escapes me, but it is also another superhero world. Now, the comic book, it, it's a form of sequential art, and there are probably many of you listeners who have had a collection or still have, such as the one that is in my closet in bags and boxes, of these comic books. So anyways, I figured that playing a superhero in Fringeworthy will come to pass April. You're going to run across this world after a while and see people flying through the air and lifting semis over their heads and melting things with I-beams. There are many different types of superheroes as far as how their powers go. And one of the things I want to talk about was how they would interact on the fringe paths. Now, we have obviously your well-trained normal, such as Batman. Hawkeye. Oh, Green Arrow. Punisher. Green Arrow, yes. Robin. These are people who use skills and gadgets in order to do what they do. Now... They would have no problem. I mean, other than their gadgets, if they're electrical, obviously, once they go through a portal. But they still have trained themselves to a pinnacle of human physical and mental perfection where they learn to think. You know, they, they fight with their wits, their fists, any, you know, and pretty much anything that they have at their disposal. I debt people technically are trained to be that versatile. So... Those would probably be the closest to what most people play in Fringeworthy. Well, hold on, Trav, real quick. <clears throat> you said that that portal, uh, was it a Positive 86, was it? Positive 86 Prime. But one of the things that you said uh, in the description there was that it's uh, a, a world, their superpowers are based primarily off of psionics? No, Fringeworthy people who go to that world gain psionic powers. Well, well no, the, the indigenous the, people also have psionic-based powers. Yeah. Now, right. Okay. So that that's where I'm going with this. If they have psionic based powers, uh, we already know that just psionics work just about anywhere on the fringe path. They definitely work on Earth Prime. But it's very common. That is very common for psionics to work on most nodes. It's an evolutionary uplift, anyways. It's the mind being tweaked a different way to do certain things. I get it. Where I'm going with this is that is the, those superheroes. Uh, the, the ones that would have their powers based off psionics, their powers would translate just about anywhere. So if you wanted to play a superhero in Fringeworthy, you could start him off in that world and base his powers off of psionics, and then he could play on just about any node with his powers. John Byrne, the uh, comic book artist, that was, his th- that was his theory in how Superman worked. Superman wasn't super strong. He just had super telekinesis, touch only. So he, you know, he had to touch something to be able to do something with it. But that's why he could pick up buildings. Okay. If you think about it, you can sit there and trace powers back to some form of psionics. I mean, super speed. You can just say you're teleporting so fast that it's like you're moving at a high rate of speed. 
let's continue down the path you were going. I just wanted to, to, to mention that just because, you know, a lot of times when we talk about magic and all these different things, you know, people have gotten used to certain things only working on certain nodes. And when we're talking about superheroes, a lot of superpowers, you know, depending on the world you go to, the superpowers will not translate off that node. But in this case, in, in the positive 86, a lot of these actually would. And I just want to make that clear off off the get because All right. you know that that's a normal natural assumption that we make on this show is that anything that's crazy like magic and stuff generally is restricted to that world also to clarify about this world uh based on that one sentence the fringe with the who entered this world will manifest a major psi or major psi talent while they are here but only while they are there right and uh, imagine very little control over it which means all of a sudden they could be yeah, every five minutes, all of a sudden, something near them bursts into flame because they can't control their pyrokinetic powers. Yeah. yeah. I imagine what would happen, though, with existing size. Uh, like uh, Wei Li. She shows up. She's an empath and telepath. Boom. Yeah. Does she become a super telepath like, you know, Professor X? Yeah. You know what, though, John? That's a good point that you bring up because, you know, it's saying that their powers are based off of psionics. Now, if normal people go there, normal friends where they go there and they, they get a boost in psionics – it would stand to reason that any of the superheroes that left there would keep their sonic powers but at a much reduced rate. So you might have some guy who's super strong like Superman with you know, with a sonic touch-only telekinesis, but he leaves there and now he's only as strong as Captain America. Now, mind you, that's still really strong, but – you know, he 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 would go to lift. You know, go to lift the car when actually strain would be like, what, "What's going on? I I normally can juggle these." Yeah. Well, that would. Why be a good can't thing. I juggle all these things? <laughs> all the things, yeah, um, yeah. That is true, Blix. That's a good point. That if these people have superhero level powers. And normal people, when they come onto the world, normal, albeit fringe, where they come on the world and they gain a power, and the indigenous have these incredible powers, when the indigenous leave, yeah, their powers would probably scale down, but they'd still have them. That is a good point. I Reading this, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then you got to talk about, of course, the other version of superpowers, like Superman. The reason why he has super strength is because he's being bathed by the yellow sun of Earth. Which is where his powers come from. He goes into a red a red star solar system and he becomes a normal human. Yeah, well, normal Kryptonian. But but it, it, I would say that would be a, a special effect of that world. In other words, it's that yellow sun on that world. So if he were to leave there and go to Earth Prime, he probably would not have those powers even under our yellow sun. Unless, of course, you're the no. game master and you want that to be the case. It's different physics. I mean, yeah. it's like uh, if you go to a Marvel universe, gamma rays there will turn you into something like a Hulk, or the uh, or or various others abominations that get you know gamma, gamma radiated abominations, and cosmic rays change you also. On our world, you just die from radiation poisoning. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you could do different manifestations. In other words, I have this super strength, the super you know. Uh, durability and stuff on this world you go to a different node and you know you get there and you step through and you you beef out into this hulk like creature and you're just like what what is going on here it's like well the physics here are a little different you still got your powers but um yeah yeah that means uh, uh ben Grimm when he comes off and leaves and leaves the marvel universe and goes off to a node he eventually turns back into a normal human sure yeah because his powers his powers may not manifest on another node, right? As soon yeah, as he leaves yeah. the alternate platform and goes onto the pathway leading to another alternate, you know, he's back to normal. 
Yeah. And, and if Peter Parker goes to the Mixy Prime, he'd find himself very comfortable there. <laughs> As limbs, limbs start spitting out. Well, no, Peter Parker is a mutation, which is something also a little different. You that, know, his mutation. Another, hey, yeah, I wanted to start uh, going down different yeah. types of power origins. I wrote a bunch down. There's magical training, magical mutation, tech-based, skill-based, genetic mutation. Okay, John brought up genetic mutation. Now, these are usually people who have had their genetics mutated that allow them to do these extraordinary things. Spider-Man, Cloak and Dagger, um, Jericho from the new Teen Titans, uh, Changeling or Beast Boy, if we're going to use the Teen Titans uh, television version. Psylocke. Yes, Psylocke was born that way. I'm talking, these are people that they come in contact with things that change them. So like, like Captain America, the Hulk? Something has changed their form on a, on a genetic level that allows them to do these things. All of them, because these are now inborn abilities and most likely, probably, I don't to use the genetic term, dominant alleles, which means they can pass which these on to the kind of reminds me a little bit of the X-Men. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, no, they are all born with their powers. I'm talking right. about the people who come about their powers due to some outside environmental music. Outside influence? Yes. Like Spider-Man, Cloak and Dagger, Beast yeah. Boy. Okay. Yeah. Though I would say the Hulk, however, while he may be genetically modified by gamoration, he has this thing about gaining mass he doesn't have before, which doesn't actually work in the in the air quotes real world. Yeah, that is true. That would be something <laughs> where you would that would be a GM call. Those people who have the forced mutation, I guess, would be a best term. Their powers, barring the GM saying, well, on this world, physics doesn't work like that, they should work fine. They sh- they'd go through the fringe portal and they'd still be able to climb walls or lift heavy things or, in the case of Dagger, you know, generator light. In the case of Beast Boy Changeling, he could still change into green-colored animals and talk. Being through the fringe paths would not be a problem for them. As I said, the only call would be the GM saying, okay, on this world, physics doesn't work like that. And then you would go from there. That would be something you'd have to, the GM would have to figure out before he starts a game so he has his bases covered. Uh, let's see, genetic mutation. We've talked skill-based. Magical mutation. Now, the best way to describe that would be like a, a D&D sorcerer. They have an inborn magical talent. Doctor Strange. Well, no, no. Doctor Strange had to learn. You're right. Doctor right. Strange was Stephen Strange. He was a world. So this would be something person. like you could start using it since you were a child, as opposed to learning how to manipulate the energy. Yes. In in D and D terms, sorcerer as opposed to wizard. Right. Harry Potter. Yeah, he would be a magical mutant. Yes, very good example, Bruce. Thank you. Yes, I'm not familiar with the stories. I've only read the. Fr- uh, I've only seen the first two movies, but yeah, Harry Potter would be the perfect example. They have inborn talent. Sometimes they don't have magical parents, but if they manifested, it was inborn. Yes, and then they go to Hogwarts to learn to cultivate that talent into a useful form without like blowing up buildings in downtown London or something. Uh, the magical mutation, it's a mutation. It allows them to manipulate magical energies 
So again, leaving your node, most likely you probably would not have those powers because you're still manipulating magic. But instead of a learned role, it would it, it's inborn. And learning at the most would be just how to control the energy. So, so I would think that that would so, be another call of, hey, look, you've left the node, you're finger wiggling, and you're waving at me. That's all you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you go to a world that supports magic, then you might be, then you might be able to tap into that magic. Yes, you might be able to tap into the what what is called amb- ambient mana. I would say, you know, I mean, as as a game master, I if if you had magic powers from that from that world, and you're the magic mutant, and you go into any world that has any kind of magic. Uh, I may modify it a little bit. I might weaken it some, but I would definitely, most likely, give you access to your to your abilities. Well, yeah, you know, maybe diminish them just a bit, saying, "Okay, you got some here. You know, this, the ambient man on this world isn't quite as strong as back home, but there's some here." Right. Mag- magic as a concept works here, so yours will work in some sense. Yes. Now that would be. That would lead us to magical training. Now, these this would be a D&D wizard. You have trained to try to manipulate these magical forces, and you have your spell books or, you know, a PDA, depending on, you know, how you go about storing your, your spells. That, again, would fall upon, well, it works within the node, but as soon as you leave that alternate platform to head to another node, it comes out. You are waving. Instead of using somatic components, that would be like taking a wizard from Bureau 13 world and saying on the way to positive 14. Yeah, you're not doing magic. Matter of fact, you're probably not doing magic on positive 14 either. (laughs) Now, here comes the kicker. I mentioned Doctor Strange. He has popped into ultra ultra dimensions before and still be able to use his magic. So I'm wondering if he's a special case in this situation. I would think that the magic, the dimensions that he's popped into probably support magical use. I mean, I'm, I know of yeah. Dr. who he is. I'm not, I, I don't, I have not followed his adventures, so mm-hmm. I don't know what other worlds. He's probably gone to like the astral plane and the dream plane. Yes, they have ambient mana. Hey, John, there's also the possibility that when he transports into another world, he has learned a trick to leave a little tiny wormhole behind where he can access mana from the other world. Or maybe... The reality bubble thing, like how the fringe system does it, he may be doing that too. Ah. As I jokingly call it the Playtex effect because it lasts for 18 hours. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe he has a way to bring mana with him. He has a way to store it. Well, he is the Sorcerer Supreme of, of the Marvel Universe. I mean, I'm sure he's picked up a few tricks. For those of you who don't know Stephen Strange is, he was a, a very cocky neurosurgeon. got into a car accident, and he ended up, his hands shook, so he was trying to find a way to, you know get his mojo back, so to speak, and got into mysticism and ended up becoming Earth's Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, He Mm -hmm. is now the foremost expert on Earth in the Marvel Universe on how magic works. If there is a problem based on magic or the supernatural, you go to Doctor Strange. And he has his own mansion in New York and his uh, manservant, Wong, who, you know, watches the house while he's gone and stuff. And so, yeah, that's who that character is, in case you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that would also let's see. We have magical mutation, magical training. Well, actually, no. I think I think you got one more magical type. Uh, the the magic gadgeteer, like Masha from Myth Adventures. Her powers come for all her trinkets. Yeah, magical items. Like, okay, yes, I have this magical sword, or yes, I have this magical amulet, or magical cloak. 
that would be another one. Yeah, it'd work on the alternate platform and the entire node, but as soon as you leave, that magic, it, hey, guess what? Well, Starts going in, away. In E20 terms, you have a masterwork sword. It's of expert craftsmanship. It looks great. Don't expect it to throw fireballs or cut through anything. Yeah. <laughs> and the amulet, yeah, nice jewelry. It goes from the sort of sharpness to a sharp sword. Yes. Your adamantine armor turns into steel armor. Or titanium. It's still adamantine. That's not a magical quality that adamantine has. Wouldn't orichalcum be more a magical metal? Yeah, that would be. Orichalcum, actually, I found out that was just brass. You're talking the mythical orichalcum, which was a power metal. Yeah, and it was in Atlantis. Yes, I'm familiar with, yeah. Yeah. Let's say you're playing a superhero, and your superhero is based off like a like the Black Knight or something, you know, from Marvel. And you've got a magic sword. And let's say you've got magic armor, and let's say you have indicated that your magic armor is uh, like Middle Earth mithril, which does not exist. But you know, you could get a close analog to it. So you step through, and it becomes titanium, something that they couldn't have had during that time. Or maybe maybe that's what mithril is. Maybe mithril is titanium, but titanium is so impossible for people at that time to make that it seems magical. You know, that's where you know, because because you're talking about something that would be a new element that wouldn't fit in the periodic table anywhere. It's like where where is that element? Well, the same problem comes down with Marvel's and Marvel's adamantium. Which basically, as far as I can tell, takes so takes a really really ticked off Hulk to even crack it, or vibranium, which is what the uh, Captain America's shield's made of. That doesn't exist. You know, basically, you hit it and it, and things bounce off. Basically, it bounces off things harder. Guys, that's the opposite. The, the whole point of um, uh, vibranium is it absorbs all vibrations. Therefore, anything that hits it essentially doesn't you know, rebound very well at all. That's why he doesn't feel impact when people smack it. Yeah, that does not exist in the real world. There's no real analog. He gets a steel shield, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about metals, I know kryptonite is a real metal, but as far as something like Superman goes, can something like kryptonite, kryptonite be a legitimate weakness for a superpower? Krypton's a gas, but kryptonite is... The best explanation I got from it was that super irradiated pieces of of the planet. This home world, yes, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they have a unknown radiation coming out of them, but they only affect Kryptonians. Uh, there is a concept that once elements get past a periodic table, there is this uh, there is this place called the I, I want to call it the Seal of Tranquility. But it's not the Sea of Tranquility. It's um, the Island of Stability. I think you're right, John. I think it's called the Island of Stability. Once you get into elements that have too many um, protons, neutrons in them, they become radioactive and unstable, and they, they won't last more than a few microseconds. But there is this theory that once it gets heavy enough, it gets to this point where you hit another island. It's Island of Stability is what it's called. Um, you hit this Island of Stability where you could have these elements that are super, super dense material – um, that have a lot of protons and neutrons, a really high atomic number, and they're actually stable. Now, that would mean that these things would be ultra dense. So you would, I mean, Captain America's shield would weigh, you know, five million pounds, but um, it could just be a layer, a thin layer on top of it, you know, or something like that. I don't know. I, or, or it could be a, an alloy. But, I mean, that's just 
something that you could throw around if you wanted to do it. If you wanted to say, ah, oh, well, you know, it's, it still works because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to wave, hand wave it and say it's, it's, it's something in the island of stability, and, uh, but it's an alloy and it works and let's move on. Most superpowers and superheroes, their very abilities violate normal physics. <laughs> I mean, yeah. a GM could be just, and I'll use the polite medical term, a raging phallus. And just say, your powers don't work because they violate normal physics. You're on Earth Prime. Guess what? You're a normal. Yep. You know, and, and you can just really be a jerk and do that. And then you're kind, you're nerfing the character. Let's say, well, now he's not fringeworthy. Well, I made this character as a superhero and you've made him a normal now. I wasted this paper. Why? You know, so, you know, that it, you got to take into account with the, the GM mm-hmm. how these powers are going to work. And this is something, I mean, playing a superhero in a game of essentially talented normals with some super science, you're going to have to take a lot into account because it's like, okay, we all have guns, Kevlar vests, and once in a great while we'll find an alien artifact. This guy comes into the game and he has flight, super strength, and vulnerability, and heat vision. And we have to play these characters. Why? Well, hold, hold on, Trav. Trav, real quick. Do we want to do we want to go over that now? Because that 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 could be a whole segment in this. Uh, yeah. Are we done talking about the different kind of powers? Because because I think we should talk about integrating superheroes into the party as its own like subtopic. Well, he's going he was going to get into gadgeteers like Iron Man. Yeah, let's 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 do that. Let's do that first and come back and revisit this. Okay. Yeah. yeah tech okay. based. Now these are the ones. Batman, technically, he's skill-based, but he's also tech-based because he's got all his gadgets and a lot of them electronic, and he's got, like, you know, smoke bombs and all this. Or you have things like Iron Man, Cyborg mm-hmm. from the Teen Titans. Well, Iron Man wasn't really a superhero in the he has magical powers. Everything that he made was man-made, was technological. Right. Yes, yeah. but there are technological While technology super- can itself be considered a type of magic, I mean, I think it was said something in Doctor Who that numbers are a type of magic, words are a type of magic, and in this current day and age, technology is our type of magic. Mm. But I can see how that would be attributed. But well, magic goes, his suit doesn't have any magic to it at all. It's all so no, no. Actually, it does. <laughs> but you don't want John and I to science geek out on you, but that suit is pure magic. The power supply is the magic bit. No, propellant. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, how about that? Iron Man would not be a real good hero to send through the fringe paths. That whole nasty, oh, look, this arc reactor is keeping the shrapnel from my heart. Not only the suit, but Tony Stark would fall down in a heap at the bottom of the ramp. Right, because his is not biologically based. That is pure technology. Yes, and remember, that arc reactor is keeping that metal, that piece of shrapnel. We'll, we'll go with the movie Iron Man mm-hmm. that has been seen in Iron Man 1 and 2 in the Avengers because most of our listeners, they would know that. That right now, Avengers yep. and, and that with Iron Man 3, the trailer just coming, he's in the public conscious right now. He has a piece of metal stuck near his heart from the first movie. The arc reactor keeps his heart going and keeps that metal away. That arc reactor shuts down from being drained by going through the fringe portal. Tony Stark will probably be a dead man within a few minutes. That's when the Giver goes, ha, 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 sucker. See, the only thing that I'd understand is 
the the arc reactor thing in his chest is supposed to be keeping the shrapnel from reaching his heart, but it's right smack in the center of his chest. Isn't your heart on the side of your chest? It's pulling it to the center, which is pulling it away from the heart. So it's basically what glorified Yeah, It's being worse for the comic book Tony Stark, because he eventually had his heart replaced with an artificial heart. So if you're doing the comic book Tony Stark, he dies when he goes to the portal. But yeah, tech-based heroes, especially ones, power armor, a lot of weapons. Oh, God, let's see. Another tech-based hero. Cable. Yeah, Cable. Yeah, but he's he's biomechanical. Is he still got, but I think it's still powered, though. He's still got cybernetics, the cybernetic eye, the limbs. He would shut down. I mean, he's got his telekinesis, but it's such a minor form of telekinesis. He's not all that really strong with it. Brainiac. Brainiac Seven, he would, he would, he would not survive either because he's all gadget. Hmm. Ultron, boop, 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 boop. These uh, robot androids, Vision, yeah, Vision. Oh God, well, he's sort of synthetic. He might be considered biomechanical and organic technology, uh, as is not. the original Human Torch from the Invaders. I don't know. Cyborg from Teen Titans, yeah, he'd fall over. He's he's probably like eighty percent cybernetic and would just here's a neat one uh you take the destroyer right now he's like basically a magic robot so he could step through the french path and would be fine so long as he stayed on his node he steps off the magic node and then he falls over well it wasn't the technology that did him in it was the magic 18 hours later he falls over oh 18 hours oh he could do oh bruce he could do a lot of damage yeah the playtex effect would come into play yeah oh he, yeah let oh, me he, ask yes. this how how much humanity does a cyborg have to have for them to be a viable existence to self-survive in another node or on another planet or, or another world heart lungs brain usually most cyborgs this is the comic convention that I've seen. Yeah. Basically, brain and spinal column. You don't need heart and lungs. That can be artificial. No, we're talking surviving on the fringe paths. You would need you would need to have your original heart, original lungs, and your brain spinal cord. Then you can just put you in a wheelbarrow and push you around till you can turn back on again. <laughs> wheelbarrow. Uh. <laughs> if something like Tony Stark's Iron Man suits can't survive in the fringe path, then what about an artificial intelligence? How much of it, how much does a cyborg have to still retain, retain their original humanity for them to not just drop over? I mean, I know if there's a human brain to control the mechanical functions, the brain would still work, but would the oh. mechanical body still respond to the signals the brain is giving uh, off? No, because electric, if you have, okay, now Bruce and I talked about this when I asked him about protoculture in a mecha. Yeah, the the energy source will not be depleted because it's biomechanical, but you cannot run the mecha because the bioelectrical is still electricity running through electronics. So the bioelectrical aspects of the brain, they work. Problem is the body would not move. Because usually cybernetic, uh, things such as cyborg, they're run by like mini fusion reactors and, you know, even things like uh, gravity spinners where you're walking and that powers the robot. Well, if all of a sudden you can't walk, you you become junk pile bill at the bottom of the ramp. Ultimately, if you're playing an artificial intelligence, you better hope you have a good shutdown mode. 
Yeah, that your yeah. body, you know, you manage to be able to save and, you know, you can just take out the core and... Yeah. Sleep mode won't work. That's not enough. No, 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 no. Uh, let's see. Okay, I wrote magic mutation, magical training, tech-based, skill-based, genetic mutation. I'm trying to recall any other power origins well, that might come into play. Well, just plain super, like Superman. Okay, he, alien. Yeah, alien. alien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his powers, as I said, they would work on the node. Um, well, because here's the kicker. The fringe space on that node, there's no sun. It's perpetually twilight there. Now, his body can store solar radiation where he can still do his powers. He would have to be on the fringe paths for a long time to have any depreciation of his power level. Well, we know at least... 12 hours, because it gets night out. John, Superman has flown from solar system to solar system, and believe me, the amount of light that's out here between solar systems is negligible. He has legendary storage of, of solar energy. No yeah, matter. each cell in his body is a solar battery capacitor. If we could take, like, a kryptonite knife and slice him up into little tiny pieces... We could make some massively cool, like, solar panels. We would solve the world's energy problems. Well, actually, you don't have to do that, Blix. All you have to do is put a little tap on his sewer line. <laughs> oh. Oh. Wow. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I need brain. This is anyways. Superman number two. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Cannot unhear. Cannot unhear. Oh dear God! I cannot hear that. Yeah, Superman's number one with us. Oh, but he's number two in my book. <laughs> this is my assistant. I shall call him number two. Yes. <laughs> you still going, Trev? Or can we can we interject a little bit? Uh, interject by all means. I'm trying okay, to recall okay. if there are any other types of power origins and no. There is, Trev. You missed a huge one. Mutants. No. No. God given. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a good one. I would chalk that up under magical mutation. Oh, no. Mm -mm. No. Like I, I started off with a, with, a, with a huge one. Shazam, man. And don't forget Thor. Thor, he's a god. Let's do this. So if you want to, if you're doing superheroes, right, and you, and you want to play a superhero who gets his powers based, he's, he's, a, he's literally just using magic. You go to our magic episode and listen to that, and that will totally define it in unno, no uncertain terms. If you're playing a psionic hero, uh, again, go to our psionic episode, same thing. And for religious-based powers, we got that episode. So those three would cover those three power sources in vast detail. Yeah, because I mean, we it's, we could talk about it again, but I mean, we we completely exhausted them in an entire episode. Right. Let's try to put it into a nutshell here, and that is that if you have powers that are based upon a deity of some kind granting them to you, that you have to uh, decide. And again, that does go back to that episode. How does a deity's influence track across the fringe pass? Is it limited just to that universe that the deity is from? Or if the deity is a, you know, in fact, you know, an ultimate deity, then it should track across any node you care to go to. Or you could just sit there and say, if, if let's say I get my powers from o, Odin, any, I would say any world with 
Norse, or I believe the current term is Wodenistic or Asatru religion, they worship Odin. I would think that that would translate over. It's like, oh, there's an Odin here. Again, my powers might be a little different, but yeah, he's pretty much the same guy. Oh, the Erethers and the Erders would love him, would love Thor. He could just walk around and just, oh, yeah. Who's the man? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Naughty, naughty Kool-Aid man. <laughs> now that I can on here. There is a difference, though. Now, if you are, let's say, uh, your gaming group decides to run Marvel as a world, you know, as, as, a, as a node. So you, you take one of the nodes and you say, I don't care what Rich said it was. This is the Marvel node. That's not going to play through because in Marvel, uh, the gods there were not gods. I mean, they were called gods, but they were really kind of alien beings. So that may not translate the same way. Well, remember, they got turned to alien beings sometime in the 70s. It, it depends. I, I know. I get that. I'm just saying it depends on how you're looking at it. If you are going with, say, the Avengers movie or Thor movie of recent, uh, those aren't really gods. They're just really powerful aliens. And that would not translate. They did claim, though, that they were from a different dimension, though, didn't they? They had to use the rainbow bridge to get to Earth. That was sort of like a wormhole to another planet, I thought. I, I, I don't know for sure. I, I, I saw that as a wormhole from another planet. I thought they were, like, doing transwarp or something. But, but whatever. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, that's something you have to consider. You know, are your gods really gods? Or are they really just powerful aliens? If they are really gods, then I like the idea of the gods actually living in another dimension, which maybe not even on the French path. Maybe it touches many of the worlds or, or uh, tons and tons of the worlds on the French paths. And you're actually talking to the same god. It's really just the same god. And you're just different versions of that Thor. Your god loves all you Thors, you know? <laughs> Odin loves all his little Thors running around. It's a it's it's a Thor spot with him. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude, oh, really? Oh, yeah, now I can't unhear that. One. <laughs> I should have Loki'd out for that one. Oh, oh, we are not starting this. I was reading a book uh, not too long ago. I believe the book was called Discord's Apple. And one of the things in the story that really kind of touched me and made me kind of see the the Greek gods a whole different way is that they weren't really gods. They were just people that had been worshipped for so long they became gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. their their godly powers were only given to them through belief in prayer and worship. And then when people stopped believing in them, they just kind of faded away. That is actually a very um common belief that gods gain gain their power from their believers and that as their believers diminish the gods powers diminish I've, that's that's a very common trope in um in sci-fi and fantasy and in the bureau 13 universe that's essentially what the forgotten gods are ones whose power has diminished because they have lost their worshipers so wait a minute hey bruce you brought up a good point so if you're playing any type of these superheroes any type doesn't matter you go to Bureau 13 and every single one of your powers are going to work. Why? Because all stories are true. Right. So Bureau 13 is like a really great place for any character to go, any kind of weird or strange or powered character of any kind to go to. We did miss one group of superheroes that are among us right now. The real world superheroes like um, oh, Phoenix Jones here in Seattle or like Kick-Ass. Basically, people who dress up in costumes and take weapons and go out and fight crime. 
I lump them under skill based. Yeah, skill yeah, based. Skill based. Yeah. yeah. Okay, skill yeah. based. Yeah. So did we? Wait a minute. But did we talk about mutants? I mean, like X Men mutants. Yeah, he he did. Well, no, we didn't. But they're sort of genetic <laughs> mutation. But instead of having an environmental factor placed upon them, which change their genetics, they were born this way, and the mutation usually triggers during a time of great stress. Most times, the hormonal changes of puberty. Now, I will say this: when I don't, I don't know where the Marvel universe is these days. But I know back in the 80s, the Marvel Universe, as they came out, they like to explain almost every mutant power as some access to another dimension. Like Cyclops' eye sockets are doorways to another dimension. So when he opens his eyes, it opens up this powerful dimensional doorway. In those kind of cases, yeah, well, no, that's, that's how they explained it then. I don't know what – I haven't read, I haven't kept up on it. But in, if that is the case, uh, then I would say that – that doorway to that dimension can only be accessed from that node. I would say his powers don't work anywhere else unless you're the game master. You say, all right, in this node, it's going to work. There is a very good book that does a job of explaining the X-Men's powers in current scientific and extrapolatory terms. It's called The Science of the X-Men from Biomechanics to Genetics from Professor X to Wolverine, the official guide to the scientific reality of the mutant world by Link Yakko and Karen Haber. Now, there's also, I think, one for Superman as well, The Science of Superman. But this Mm -hmm. book, and I have it here, here in my hand now, it talks how Cyclops would generate eye beams and how Professor X would read minds and how Angel would fly and Wolverine senses. Wolverine, his heightened senses, you know, his scent and, you know, taste and hearing and everything, they're all enhanced. I mean, it's not just the the skeleton he had. He originally had the healing factor in the senses before the uh, adamantium skeleton was implanted in him. This would be a very good book for new game masters who are running superheroes and fringeworthy if you wanted to get into nuts and bolts and the physics of, of superpower yeah. science. Wait a minute, physics of superpowers? There's also a book called The Physics of Superheroes, and it's by a guy named James Cacalios. It's a very heavy book because it actually gets into the real physics, like what's going on. Yeah, so does this one here. Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay, it's a really interesting book, but it's very heavy and it's a little bit of a buzzkill because, I mean, he puts everything into real perspective. Like if Superman takes off at this speed to go here, he's going to send sonic booms, which are going to do this and this and that and this and the amount of energy involved, you know. Um, so it's actually an interesting book, but it's it's very heavy. Certain mutations like like Wolverine's regeneration and heightened senses may still work just fine. Uh, and the, his amantine skeleton may turn into a carbon steel skeleton, but you know, because yeah, it's amantine is a bit of a magic metal, really. When it yeah. comes right down to it. Yeah. It, uses, it uses physics that don't really exist. Maybe it's carbon nanotubes or something. Something like that. Yeah. Ah, spoken like our true cyberpunk fanatic. Yeah, yeah, there you are, yeah. Which one again? I can't remember her name. Who uh, the the one who walks the, the chick that walks around naked in the X Men movies? Uh, Mystique. 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 She may actually work because it's all skin. Her skin's doing it. Basically, she's just a variation of a Mueller. Yeah, the only thing that would change. Oh, 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 John. She's a variation of a Mueller. Oh, sh- you know what would be funny? She steps through the French pass and becomes an old Meller. Oh, oh, that would be bad. Because she could get infected and turn... Oh, oh, that would be a neat character. Yeah. Uh, Kitty Pride, I think her powers are right out. 
Yeah, that's out. That's forget it. Yeah, because her powers basically she's uh, loosening the valences between her atoms. Yeah, and the real world it means you means it'd be a small well, no, very large atomic explosion at that yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as she left her no, then stuff would happen. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. It's like, wait a minute, my lord, these two women both claim to own this atom. What shall we do? Split the atom. <laughs> no! That's what, the slow motion diving as you're reaching. No! Yeah. And like, and uh, like Beast, Beast is completely, just leave him alone. He's good. Yep. Classes, however, um, you know, you can, you can go bush boy, but that's all, that's all he can do. I would say if, if, I were the game master. I would look at the player and say, "Pick one. You have one form: organic steel or organic person." Yeah, yeah. Actually, I would say whatever you are when you go through the portal, that's what you're going to stay. Yeah, you can't change. Yeah. <laughs> would go through the portal seal you permanently, or is it only a for this duration? You can't shift. No, no. You you have to pick. I would say you'd have to pick. You are you are one creature or the other until you get to a friendly world, i.e., where the where the physics are, yeah, or return home, yeah. And Iceman is completely out of the question. No, he's 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 pyrokinesis, or is he actually he's cryokinesis? Dude, dude, dude! There is not enough moisture in the atmosphere to do what he's doing. What he does is impossible, but he still can have cryokinesis. He can still freeze things down. You know what, John? I agree with you. He would literally become a different kind of hero in my in my game. I would say, or you can move heat around. So he would be a guy who like could heat up one area and cool down another. But every time he he wanted to move, he'd have to literally move the heat from one place to another. He wouldn't be generating that uh that cryonic armor. That's for sure. No, and he would not be making those ice bridges. That is completely farce. Unless there's a unless he's in a swamp someplace and you can you can feel the moisture in the air, but I wouldn't want to walk on it. Right, there would have to be a hundred percent humidity. Yeah. No, 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 no. You could do this over over a lake, over an ocean, uh, during a typhoon. And by the way, please refer to our natural disaster episodes for mm-hmm. role playing during those. But Blake, I think I think he could probably pull it off during the middle of a hurricane. Sure, sure, right, exactly, yeah. In Arizona, Arizona would be his kryptonite. Yeah. But he's the only cool person that he wouldn't be sweating. He'd just like... No, he could do that, yeah. Heat waves coming off his person, but he'd be cool as a cucumber. Right, yeah. But yeah, and Miss Marvel, in most worlds, Miss Marvel, she doesn't change. Uh, and the Phoenix... Phoenix, forget it. Come on. Well, no, she she's entirely psionic. I know, but dude, come on, come on, come on. Really? Phoenix... Marvel Girl. Let's try that. Yeah, let's do that, yeah. All right, superheroes in Fringeworthy is an interesting new avenue to bring about the wonders that are out on the fringe paths. You can either add a superhero to an existing Fringeworthy campaign. In that case, you have to the Game Master has to weigh how it may unbalance a campaign. It may unbalance player or character group cohesion. Or, as in my own campaign, you can even make the campaign all superheroes and they discover the fringe paths. Either way, superhero is just having superpowers, to use Bruce's parlance, is another form of chocolate to add to the peanut butter. Now, if you have any questions on superpowers in Fringeworthy or Bureau 13 or any of the other games, 
please contact us on the Bureau 13 Agents Everywhere Facebook group, Fringeworthy RPG Fans Facebook group, Fans of the TriTech Podcast Facebook group, the Yahoo groups that are up for the various games. Also at the site where you get this podcast from, tritechsystems.podbean.com. We will be more than happy to answer your questions, accept suggestions such as the aforementioned Paul Nunez does. By all means, let us know what you think of this episode and any ideas you might have and campaign ideas. And, you know, based on the rules, you know, we'll be more than happy to answer any of your questions. Mm -hmm. So that is it, folks. Until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. This is Amber. It's all fun and games until the DM rolls a one. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be having your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.